I am Bill Cartwright with Living Right with Bill Cartwright. And this is the Stress Mastery Podcast, where we take you from the science to the spirituality of stress mastery. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stress Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Bill Cartwright, and I'm here with the super millennial David Barreto, giving us the millennial perspective. Big bad. Dave, you ain't so big anymore, buddy. Now it feels like I'm, I'm working towards it and it's going away, but in a good way. <laughs> Why don't you give everybody an update on your progress? Uh, yeah, so um, as of the end of May, uh, I started a whole new goal um, to kind of achieve a level of wellness and health that I never have achieved before. You know, I always try to do these yo-yo diets or crash diets or do it real fast. And just focus mainly on weight loss. And this time I um, try to follow what, you know, we do in the Go Right lifestyle system is create a system where, you know, I get my body right. I go through a transition and I keep that lifestyle going. Something sustainable. So um, as of today, um, I'm down uh, 70 pounds from uh, June. And that's almost not trying because weight loss was not my actual goal. That's excellent. You look terrific too. Maybe you could post some pictures in the community. Yeah. I think that some of the before and afters, I think they would love it. So this week, our topic is addiction. And on weekend edition of Stress Mastery Podcast, host Mark Middlestead kicked it off with addiction is not simply a matter of choice. Yesterday's Monday with the Super Millennial, David talked on addiction to conflict. Today's huddles, we're today's health huddles. We're going to talk about the brain, the amazing brain, and addiction. And tomorrow's meeting of the minds. We're going to talk of the challenge of addiction and the six types of addicts. And a connection Thursday, I'm going to do something a little bit different because of the amount of questions that I'm getting and emails I'm getting. I'm going to do a special Q and A on connection Thursday, touching on the mountain and touching on some any topics now. If you want to get a question in, email me at bill at living right with Bill Courtright. And I will get your question in there. I have a lot now, but I'm this is easier for me right now to do these every once in a while, David, because there's just too yeah. many. There's too many. And I don't want people to think I'm blowing them off because I'm not. Okay. And then Friday, we will continue our book study, The Book of Joy by the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu and that little fellow called the Dalai Lama. So this week, our topic is addiction. And the way I'm going to do my episodes, I thought Mark had a really good episode. You also had a very good episode. I'm talking on addiction. Now, I'm going to go into health huddles today, and I'm going to get into the brain and understanding the chemistry. But this is going to actually flow into tomorrow's when I start to talk about the challenge of addiction and the types of addicts and how to flip the switch on addiction. And so it's going to be, it's not a two-part episode, but it kind of flows in where the two, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday will flow together. Good. You have anything else before we get no, started? Let's get to it. All right. So as I said, this week, our topic is addiction. And today we're going to talk a little bit about addiction in the brain. Addiction is a treatable, chronic medical disease involving complex interactions among brain circuits. Addiction is reversible. Addiction is the inability to stop using substances or to stop engaging in behavior 
even though it's causing you harm both physically and psychologically. So when we think of addiction, we may picture alcoholics drinking, uh, drug use, or maybe compulsive eating. And this creates a perception of the drunk hiding booze and trying to function in their daily lives. Or we create a perception of the drug addict who's all strung out trying to score their next hit. We create a perception of the individuals on my 600-pound life literally eating themselves to death. Yet, when we picture an addict in our minds, do we ever picture the individual who steadily fails because of procrastination? Do we picture the individual who has drama in their relationships and when things start to go well, they must stir the pot? Do we picture those who desire to be healthy but cannot give up their two glasses of wine at night? Or they can't give up smoking even though they know that smoking's bad for them? Or do we ever picture the individual who has diabetes who will never give up their sweets? Do we picture, when discussing addiction, the individual who is stuck in defend and attack, and they must argue, carry on conflicts, no matter how long ago the conflict happened, they must keep it alive? Do we picture the individual who will go against their own values, go against what they believe to just fit in to be part of a group? Or do we picture the individual who becomes a martyr, doing everything for everyone, saying yes when they truly want to say no? We don't picture that when we talk on addiction. Did you agree with yeah, me? Yeah, I think the uh, the stigma around that word, because even when I was sitting around thinking about writing for addiction, the stereotype of it comes right to mind. Even though yeah. that I've seen so many different forms of it, that's the first thing that popped into my head. And it's almost like we talk about all the time. It's that programming. Yep. And my goal in these next two episodes, today and tomorrow, is to open your eyes to what addiction really is. And more importantly, how do we overcome it? Because addiction is the inability to stop using a substance. Well, this could be alcohol. It could be a drug. It could be a cigarette, nicotine. Or it could be Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. Or it could be sugar. Right, or it could be coffee, or it could be engaging in a behavior, and even if it's causing you harm to the individual, you will not stop the behavior, you will not change the behavior, even though you have set goals to change your life, you won't do it. And you have to understand that is addiction. Anything that holds you in the valley is addiction. And this is where we want to take it to another level and allow me to explain. If you are stuck in a valley, you are causing yourself harm. You are causing yourself harm physically because you become stuck in the limbic brain, which I will discuss in a moment. And this locks you in that alarm system red zone of the human construct. And this does harm to your body, to your brain, and to your life experience. Now, psychologically, if you're stuck in a valley, behavior will be driven from the state of restriction with the base energy of fear, 
and you will find yourself in avoidance, hesitation, procrastinating on doing very important things that would change your life. And what happens? This builds resentment. And this drives behavior and anger. And this will create regret. And this makes you feel depressed. And it puts you in a guilty state. And all of this creates depression. All of this creates compulsive behavior. It creates resentment, anxiety, living stressed out. That is having addiction. Do you understand? For sure. So Dave, basically, if you're stressed out, you are an addict, addicted to the valley. (laughs) I know it sounds like people are like, right now, everybody's like pausing, but I want you to get this because over the next two days, you will understand it. See, when you're stuck in a valley, it drives behavior. And what we're driving behavior is to seek a release from this restrictive energy of the valley, this restriction that we feel, this stress that we feel, this pressure that we feel, and we're looking for release through drink, food, drug, sex, gambling, gaming, risky behavior, drama, smoking, caffeine, binge television, social media, texting, even wasting time is an addiction. So I don't know your thoughts on all that is, but it's a different perspective when we're talking about addiction. And I need to bring, I want to bring it into a deeper, I thought Mark handled very well on what people think about addiction in a way he presented it very well. I think you presented it very well, how we get addicted to conflict and stuff, but I want to take it to another level. Do you have any questions before I jump into no, this? No questions. Just the first thing that comes into mind is the the having apathy part for people who are dealing with this, if you can't relate to this at all, you know, because even if it's not directly there, it hasn't, you know, shown its light to you yet. I think, you know, anybody that you do know with this is to have empathy and not have that first signal that, that programming where it's like, Oh, addiction and go to that normal thought process that we all, you know, been programmed to have to have that empathy for it as you listen. Yep. Yeah, so if we have everybody's attention, like you said, I hope you move out of judgment when you see a homeless addict or a Uncle Frank getting loaded at the family get-together. You know, I want you to understand why this happens. And if you do not have, understand, if you cannot put yourself in a state and you do not have volition, which means control over your behavior, if you do not do what you want to do, or what you set out to do, if you have not reached that second summit of the mountain, stage five, interconnected mind, you are holding programs that keep you stuck in the valley. And this is addiction for you can't, or I will say won't, control the behavior. That's what creates addiction. And tomorrow I will discuss my work with Daniel, Dr. Daniel Amen and the Amen Clinics that I did in the 90s out at Newport Beach in California. And we'll talk about the six types of addicts. And tomorrow I will really get into the true cause of addiction and more importantly, how do we reverse it? But for today, let us talk about the brain 
I think it's so important that you understand the brain if you're going to attempt to change any type of behavior. So the human being is hardwired for behavior. This behavior is dictated by what is held in mind. 95% of your behavior is driven through this programming. Every single human being functions and operates in this manner. Every single one of us. So if you have a behavior that keeps you stuck in stage three socialized mind in the valley, the programs that keep you stuck were set for you, not by you. And if you cannot move out of those programs and control your behavior, you have an addiction. You don't have control over the behavior. It's unconscious and it's driven through and by the ego. And understand, when you set a self-authored program, that means you move out of stage four, move to the mountain, and you go, I'm sorry, you move out of stage three, you move into stage four, self-authoring mind, and you enter the mountain, you are then consciously setting a new behavior. And if you do this consistently, this will become a skill. A habit is not an addiction. Tomorrow, I'm going to address the biggest myth about Bill Courtright that nobody understands. Everybody thinks I have a robotic life. I hear it more and more all the time. I don't want to be like you. You're too robotic. Here's what people don't understand. Yes, I am. And you know what? So are you, David. And so is Mark. And so is everybody else. You know why? Because we're human beings and 95% of our behavior is driven to be robotic. We're robot. All of us are. The difference is, did you set your programs? Are you behaving the way you want to behave or not? When you create a new behavior, it becomes a skill. And that's not an addiction unless, let us say you move to the mountain. You create a program to exercise. Before this, you never exercised. And this program serves you well on your climb of the mountain. As the program will drive you to work out, it becomes that habit, the skill. But this actually could become an addiction. If you cannot work out consciously, if you cannot function unless you work out, if your life and happiness is determined by working out, this has become an addiction and you will fall back into the valley. You see, when you fall into the valley with this program, your ego is now your workout partner. It's telling you, you must work out or you are a loser. And it doesn't matter if you have a high temperature or you have pneumonia or if you have multiple injuries or if you feel exhausted. People who are driven by addiction do not control their behavior consciously. This is why it's important to measure metrics. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about addiction with a healthy habit. And that's when it's no longer healthy. Remember, well-being is a healthy body, a focused mind, and a life experience and process. And process means you're controlling the behavior. Can you see how this can happen, David? And literally why it happens because the exercise and their workouts become their identity. 
And then the ego takes that identity and says, hey, yes, you have to go work out. Oh, I know your temperature's 104. No, no. You can still go do something. You have to do something or you're a failure. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, the first time I actually realized that was uh, someone that, that we know that does, you know, crazy running stuff was, you know, he's getting praised left and right for all his running, you know, achievements and stuff. But watching how it runs his life in between meetings, has to go take a run or has to do this or got upset. So he needs to go run. And literally, you could tell the mood he's in because he's not running for enjoyment anymore. It's it was a stressful right. meeting. I need to go get a run in, you know, in the beginning. That sounds like a great way to relieve stress and kind of get out of it. But, you know, that became the personality of this person. And that's all I know about him now. You know, and it sucks because that person was a well-achieved person, well-rounded. I know who you're talking about also. Why is it an addiction? Because if he can't, he gets depressed. Mm -hmm. If he can't, he feels like he's a failure. If he can't, he goes into apathy, into stories. And that is an addiction. See, addiction is a program activated in mind. It's connecting the emotion and the feeling in the body. And that's him, and this is all held in place by the brain. Sometimes the addiction is driven to feel good. Other times it's driven to escape feeling bad. But it's always held in place through the ego in judgment and the state of restriction of base energy of fear. The judgment state always imprisons because it's attached to desire, want, and this is the base of the ego. So anytime you're in judgment, you are not controlling your behavior. Understand that. So the we talk about how this happens and how the brain is what holds us in the conflict or the brain can get us out of the conflict. Let's look at that for a second. So the brain is built with a reward system. When we are hungry, our behavior is motivated to eat because food tastes good and it eliminates hunger. And we get rid of the cravings so we feel good. The physical pleasure we feel from sex relieves tension and pressure held in the mind and the body when we are trapped in our day-to-day life and it gives us calm feelings. This is an enjoyable feeling we get through sex. It drives us to repeat the behavior. But when sex becomes the only release from tension, we can become addicted to the point where sex is no longer pleasurable. And when we drink alcohol, our mind gets out of conflict. It gets out of the problems that we're carrying. Alcohol gives us pleasure. It's called liquid courage. And the brain's pleasure centers, which are linked to the programs held in mind, which is held in our past memories, this drives us to repeat the behavior So we get the pleasure of the reward. At least this is what the ego is telling us. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions on that? Yeah, I I think that's the funny part about things that kind of release or or numb whatever it is you're trying to go through because you automatically assume that I feel better than I did before until it no longer feels that way. That's where people a lot, you hear a lot of times, anybody I've talked to that has some type of addiction talks about a numbing feeling. Right. And that's just that's not a better feeling. That's not a replaced feeling. That's just no feeling. And that's what these band-aids and, are doing. It's not fixing anything. It's just taking away from what you thought was, you know, the issue. 
And in the beginning, it, it does. You know, see, my main addictions, my main addiction, and I have addictions, were to food and the want to be liked, the want of approval out of the fear of abandonment. Those were my big addictions. You see, people are going to say, well, Bill, we know you're addicted to food, but did you know I was addicted to the want to be liked and the fear of abandonment? Those are addictions. So when I was taken in by my grandparents, I was a broken seven-year-old and I had scars on the outside and I had scars on the inside. And my grandma soothed my pain with food. It felt good. It was a relief. And my brain took this experience of feeling good through the food and held it in mind. And this creates a synapse, which connected the program in mind. The program stated, sugary foods, desserts make you feel better. And this was connected to the brain's pleasure center. So if I got stressed or angry or sad or anxious or worried or guilty or even excited and happy, I dealt with the conflict through eating and I ate pleasure foods, right? But soon this stopped working, just what you were saying, David. So what happened? I ate more. And I ate more and I ate more. And this behavior built my reality. The life you live today is built through your behavior. And my reality was I was 278 pounds, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and severely depressed. That was my reality. I built that reality. But I also, people don't understand, I had a fear of abandonment. So another addiction was in relationships. I had to say yes. I had to do. I had to do. I talked about it a little bit last week. I'll talk about it more tomorrow. But that is an addiction. You see, people don't think of the addict of the yes person or have to do everything for everybody person or the want of approval person or the want to belong person. That's an addiction, people. Why? You're not controlling your behavior. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's that simple. So addictive behavior is attached to your brain's reward system. And we especially seek to feel good when we are in conflict. And remember what we can't stop as human beings? Conflict, ever. And this attached to an experience from the past. And this behavior could be listening to music, right? Or it could be taking a warm bath. It's not always negative, right? Or it could be, the ability to slow down, pause, and breathe. Or it could be attached to grabbing a drink, placing a bet, some internet porn, playing a video game, snorting a line of coke, taking a Valium, or excessive tech texting and defend an attack, or downing a box of cupcakes. It's the, it's the brain trying to get us to feel better, right? And it's the ego driving that behavior. Because the ego keeps us stuck in a certain part of the brain, which I'll talk about in a moment here. So what are these chemicals, the, the brain's chemicals or hormones or neurotransmitters that are involved in cravings and self-control? So number one is dopamine. This chemical drives motivation, saliency, which means being seen. Uh, it drives us to be stimulated. Dopamine is a feel-good chemical whenever we do something enjoyable. It is like there's a button in the brain 
and you push it to release dopamine so we feel good. And as we push this button, we get more excitement. And then after repeatedly pushing this button, seeking that initial pleasure we got originally, we feel less and less excitement. Eventually, like you said, we don't feel anything. And this happens in relationships. It's not just substances or actions and behaviors. It could be the want of approval, the need to be seen. We feel dopamine. We're in love. We post it all over our social media. We tell everybody about, I found the one. We move in together. Let's get married. Yet it's only been a few weeks. And eventually this wears off and holy crap, who am I living with? Happens all the time. You see, addiction occurs when the dopamine that is naturally released from the brain isn't enough to give the person pleasure. So sweets, drugs, alcohol, video games, internet porn produces two to 10 times more dopamine than the brain produces naturally. Now, a special note on dopamine. It has been found through studies that sugar is actually more addictive than cocaine because of dopamine. Do you understand? Do you have any questions on dopamine? <laughs> <laughs> we know. Do you have any questions on dopamine? No, it, it, it makes sense, especially when, when you understand the, the releases. It makes you understand why certain foods make you feel a certain way instead of just thinking that it's just attached to like a memory or something like that. When you understand what's going on inside, it changes your perspective on things you put in your body. Well, then there's number two. So we had dopamine. Now let's talk about serotonin. This is the chemical, this is the brain's happy, anti-worry, calming messenger. This is the brain's flexibility hormone. When serotonin is low, behavior becomes rigid, inflexible. You become, uh, you become opposing, argumentative, and this activates the want to control and defend and attack, and it drives compulsive behavior obsessive thinking, and this leads to anxiety and depression. Now, 95% of your serotonin is made through the gut brain, and it's raised by the amino acid precursor called L-tryptophan. Now, here's the challenge. L-tryptophan does not compete well against other proteins. So, to get to the brain to raise serotonin, exercise is needed. Reason? Exercise muscles cause the other proteins to go into the muscle, thereby decreasing competition for L-tryptophan to get to the brain. Now, another thing that increases L-tryptophan is simple sugars, sugar, carbohydrates, simple carbs. Thus, the brain gets a serotonin boost, causing many to become addicted to cookies, bread, potatoes, and sugar. It's important to understand this because here's another note. When the human construct is stuck in the alarm system, which I'll talk in a moment, serotonin is cut off to the brain. Why? Because the gut brain is cut off. And so they're giving you something for depression when really it's because you're stuck in the red zone. That's serotonin. You can see how people get addicted to sweets, 
right? The foods, the chocolate. You understand? Yeah, the, the interesting thing. So I, I've mentioned this before, Vanessa has Crohn's. And a lot of the times when we end up, you know, having a flare up or something and the medicine that they give her, she always craves sweets afterwards, you know, and she's always like, I, I, I want something sugary. I want something. And it's weird because she's not that type of person. But anytime she gets put on any of those medications, you could tell that that disconnect happens. And she's looking to kind of fill that, you know, the, the serotonin. It increases. There's a reason, you guys. The, the brain is amazing. Now, the third hormone, the third chemical is GABA. You ever hear GABA? This is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. It calms and relaxes the brain. Now, when we're stuck in the alarm system under stress in the red zone, GABA becomes depleted. And this will cause you to become stressed out because the lack of GABA will lock you in the limbic brain. That means you can't switch off the red zone to the green zone. And this creates anxious behavior and drives you to eat and drink to feel better. So this is being stuck in the red zone, people. And number four, and this is part of why she craves sweets. Serotonin is one part, but this is the second part is endorphins. This is a fourth chemical. These are pleasure pain killing chemicals. They are the body's natural morphine like substances, heavily involved in addiction and loss of control. Stress, fear, and pain are the three stimulants that trigger endorphins. Intense cardio or heavy weightlifting increases these feel good hormones, as does alcohol, cocaine, amphetamine drugs. So you can see these chemicals and how they work, right? If you understand this, it will change everything. And I'll get more into it tomorrow. How do we create a lifestyle to make sure our brain stays balanced so these chemicals are working? And that brings me to the brain's systems. And you'll understand this more. The first system is called the nucleus acumens. And it's located deep in the brain in an area called the basal ganglia. This is the pleasure motivation center of the brain. That's number one. Number two is the limbic system, the limbic brain. This is what we talk about. The limbic brain holds your emotional memory center. This system is reactive and drives many of our behaviors that get out of control. When you experience immense pleasure, this often lays a neural track which locks pleasure and the emotion of the experience. The first time you tasted ice cream, the first time you had sex, or the first time you used cocaine, it is set in the limbic system. And it is the limbic system that sets the red zone and triggers emotional eating, smoking, drinking, any high from the past. It's also the limbic brain that keeps you in a state of event, judgment, and reaction. This is very important. The limbic brain is always the first brain activated. We talked about low GABA, right? You cannot stop conflict. Anything that comes into your environment, it goes against your perception, your expectation, is going to cause conflict. You're always going to go into the limbic brain red zone first. You're always going to go into judgment and reaction first. You're always going to have that activate first. That brain 
is when the ego takes conscious mind control and you're reacting. That brain is what locks in the compulsions. It's what locks in the negative behaviors. It's what keeps you stuck in old habits you want to change, and it's what keeps you stuck in addiction. And then there is the third part, the prefrontal cortex, the green zone, the cortex brain we talk about, the green zone. What is it responsible for? Impulse control. It's responsible for impulse control, response, and focus. This is the brain's breaks. What does that mean? It's the breaks. It's the pause with the conflict activated that moves you out of the limbic brain so you can think before you do something. This is where volition is activated. You see, conflict activates the limbic brain will create an emotional response. You want to grab a bag of cookies. But if you can pause and create a still point, the cortex brain, the prefrontal cortex activates and you don't grab the cookies. You deal with the conflict in event, awareness, and response. You see, the prefrontal cortex is the brain's self-control center, but it never turns on first. And tomorrow, as I will discuss the different types of addicts, I'm going to touch on the biggest challenge of addiction, a weak prefrontal cortex. That, that's it, Dave. What do you got? Yeah, I, I think that's a, this, this episode is, is cool to understand what happens because most people just think it's uh, no willpower people or, you know, you rather, you know, have a drug than, you know, do these things. And these people get all these things thrown into their face. You don't care about your family, your kids, your jobs, your health, your all these, all these things. But nobody looks at to why is this such a hard thing to overcome? It's not just like, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to stop tomorrow or just give me a week and I'll be better. Even if that person was good for a week, that battle that they have to do within their inner self and then the body, that's a lot to handle. Most people, when we tell them to name their ego, they can't handle listening to the ego and understanding it. I'll try to do that. And then a chemical, you know, interaction between your body. It's very difficult. And that's why I said earlier, the biggest thing I'm, I think everyone could get out of this week already, you know, is having empathy. And this allows you to really have it. Because like I said, if you don't deal with it directly, or, you know, you can't really pinpoint a spot in your life where you are dealing with it right now, then you can have empathy to somebody who is because just think of that going on to your body, you know, here, here's the facts, and y'all, I'll get more into it tomorrow. If one of the life categories is stuck in stage three, you have addiction. You're not moving out, especially if you want to move out, especially if you set goals and tried and failed. If you're not moving, it's because you're stuck. And that means you're stuck in a program and the brain's chemistry works to hold the program in place. And so it's all about everything we teach as stress mastery of moving out of the valley Moving into the mountain, the steps and techniques of stress mastery are designed to work with this. That's why diet's so important, people. I want you to lose weight. I could give a crap about David's weight loss. It's nice, but what I really like is his shift in everything of his behavior. That's the big change that's happened. Not what he looks like. It's his behavior. Why? Because he's doing everything for the first time, and that's the key. So we'll get into it more tomorrow and we'll talk about how to fix it. 
right? How do you get out of it? Because when they say you can heal it, I know for a fact you can heal it. I can do it. You can do it. And that robotic thing is a bunch of crap. I'm going to teach you what that all means, okay? And the difference. So I want to give a quick shout out before we go to our, our, our podcast is growing so much. We are ranked now in the top in Norway, New Zealand, and Sweden. Guys, you all those in Norway, New Zealand, and Sweden, let's go do an event there. How about bringing us in? Let's do a stress mastery event there. Hit us a couple emails up and see what we can do. But that's cool to see those numbers. I haven't seen those show up before. And now it's really taken off and people are liking it. That's why I'm going to do the Q&A on Thursday. You got anything else, Dave, before we no, close thank it? Thank you, guys. We love seeing those, uh, you know, the places that we don't normally think of, you know, and it always surprises us somehow, some way. Yep. That's it for today's show. Our mission here is to create a shift in the planet. You can join us on this mission by simply like, share, and subscribe. Links are right below the show. As always, until next time, stay inspired. Stay inspired.